Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryant. I've decided to talk about 85% speed right now. Oh, yeah? How's it going? Well, you know, there are some weirdos that listen to us on double speed. Well, they just are like, hurry up and get to the point, you idiots. Yeah, because, you know, they have busy lives. They can't listen to 40 minutes of content straight. It always, it's funny to me when somebody tweets to us or takes the time to write an email say like, I love your your podcast, but I'm really displeased with the tangents you go on. Oh, sure. You seem to talk about a lot of stuff that's unrelated. Can you stop doing that? Yeah. And um, I always think, I don't think Seb, you should know it's for you, buddy. Yeah. If you're if you're being driven crazy by that, then well, sure, yeah. Like we would welcome you to stay, sure. But the tangents are they're part of the fabric of the show at this point. They're the glue, like it or not. I think the whole thing would be decidedly less enjoyable if we were just like vomiting just, facts up. Yeah, just business like, you know. Yeah. Or maybe after 850 shows, we should just completely change how we do it. Yeah, there you go. That's a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, before we get started, though, we do want to thank uh, Sam from Gypsum's Malort. Oh, yeah, yeah. Thank you, Sam. We uh, mentioned the uh, unique liqueur, you... Ch- Chicago brand liqueur on our PR show. Right, right. Live in Chicago. Because you tried it, like, before the show. Uh, yeah, well, I tried it a few times. Oh, I gotcha. And it's, uh, it's you know, it, as John Hodgman said, it tastes like uh, pencil shavings and heartbreak. <laughs> this is his descriptor. But uh, Sam heard us talking about Crown Royal. Crown Royal and was like, wait a minute. They talked about Malort, and I didn't send them anything. Yeah. Attention all other <laughs> distillers in America. You can get in on this, too. Yeah. If the makers of Plymouth Gin or, oh, uh, or Leopold's Gin or Knob Creek or uh, Pappy Van Winkle. St. George's. They're a great distillery out of San Francisco. Yeah. Pappy Van Winkle. Wow. That's the stuff that gets like hijacked. <laughs> And sold for like $20,000 on the internet. Yeah. So I'm just throwing it out there. I'm picking it back up, bringing it back here, <laughs> and throwing it again. We're happy to drink your booze and talk about it ad nauseum. Uh, you know what else we're happy to talk about, big boy? What's that? Bonza. Yes, which you, I don't know if I was saying it wrong, but right before we press record, you said, it's not bonsai, it's bonsai. And I was like... What's the diff? It's not bonsai. Oh, with a Z. Right. That okay. means heads up. Right, right, right. Bonsai or bonsai. With an S. Right. Uh, is it, it basically means plant in tiny container. Yeah, those are the cute toy trees. Yeah. That uh, Mr. Miyagi. Are made of plastic. Uh, it depends. Target <laughs> has some. They Do definitely they really? have plastic ones. Have yeah, fake- if you search bonsai, it's one of the things that comes up immediately. It's- fake trees. Uh, I think it's called like nearly real. Oh boy. Or nearly natural, something like that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it does not look nearly natural. It's like near beer. You ever heard people call <laughs> non alcoholic beer near beer? Yeah. I think it's kind of funny. I used to, um, I probably shouldn't tell that story. <laughs> so <laughs> with bonsai, um, Chuck, we're talking, like you said, the little toy trees. And yeah, there's plenty of fake bonsai out there, but they're just kind of, 
It's the same thing as fake flowers, you know? Well, it sort of flies in the face of what's special about bonsai, which is that it's a living work of art. Right, it, it does. And, and a lot of people are like, well, that's just a weird freakish tree that you've been abusing for the last several decades. <laughs> yeah. Some people actually do criticize bonsai because really? it is, yeah, it's uh, it's like docking a dog's uh, tail or... Um, it's nothing like or, that. <laughs> or, but it, but it, depending on how you feel about plants, it's it's the same thing. You're so, taking a, something that's natural and literally bending it to your will. So there's an anti-pruning movement going on around the world? Maybe. <laughs> I don't know if I would go that far to say it, but um, if you are invested in bonsai, if you do appreciate bonsai, part of the whole point of bonsai is you are taking, you're creating a tableau that is a a living depiction of nature. Yes. Rather than a painting, you're creating a living version of basically a painting. Yeah, it's, well, sculpture, living sculpture. Yeah, yeah. That's even better. Like you can make it out of sculpy clay. You could, but then. You, you've totally missed the point of bonsai. <laughs> well, that'd be fun too, but. But it's something different, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, um, we're going to talk about how to, how to bonsai. I have to say, um. Is that a verb as well? It is now. Oh, okay. We're going to, uh, Jerry's just cracking up this episode. She's, she's reading, uh. Oh, oh, I crack. see. I got <laughs> She is. She, what is the guy from Crack's name? Alfred E. Newman's like kind of. Oh yeah, he had like this blonde-haired, uh, yeah, counterpart. Yeah, is is that still around? Because they're sort of a different thing than they oh, used totally. to be. Yeah, yeah. There's this great story behind Cracked. Like, Cracked was around for you know decades, and it just got left to languish. Right. And I guess some fan came along and was like, "Hey, I noticed like you're basically just waiting around for Cracked to die. Can I have a a stab at it? A crack at it? I I specifically <laughs> didn't say that, but yes. Yeah. And um, they're like, whatever, kid, go ahead. And the guy basically resurrected crack, uh, cracked in his basement. Nice. Brought it back from the dead, and now it's like huge. Well, they just sold for a boatload of money. Oh yeah, good for them. I hope it went to that dude who resurrected it. I do too. That's great. Um, I don't remember how we got onto cracked. Jerry was laughing. Oh, she was reading cracked. Yeah, that's right. Um, so back to bonsai. Like I said, we we're gonna. Talk about how to bonsai, which, like yeah, you yeah. said, is a verb now. Um, but let's talk about the history of it first. Yeah, like uh, like many things in the world, and especially many things that you might associate with Japan, it started earlier in China yeah. before it made its way to Japan. And in China, it was called... Well, in Japan, did you already say what the what it literally means? I think you did. Yeah, it means plant in a tray. Yeah, plant in a tray. In China, it was punsai, which means tray plant. Not too far off. No. Uh, and if you go all the way back to the Tang Dynasty, um, they there is evidence, you know, on tomb paintings that they had these little little pruned trees in shallow pots. Yeah, it's just like part of the the painting in the tomb. It's not like featured. It's just part of it, yes. kind of depicting regular life. So they're like, oh, okay, well, at least by 706 um, CE. That there were people doing bonsai in China. That's or right. Bonsai. Yes. Right. Uh, it may go back even further than that. There's a legend that an emperor around about 206 BCE wanted his entire empire, China, recreated in miniature in his backyard. And, um, they think they suspect that it's possible that that may have given rise to bonsai. That makes sense. Yeah. They're like, we got to make tiny trees now because the emperor wants right. a toy. Yeah. Yeah. But then either through trade or through gifts 
exchanges of state departments and stuff like that. Right. Um, Japan does what it always did. And it get, got its hand on something and then took it to the nth degree and yeah, perfected it. and made it awesome. That's what Japan does. That's what they do. Uh, there's an ancient Japanese scroll that I found, not literally, <laughs> in my backyard. In your attic. <laughs> uh, that I found on the it? internet. Uh, and it says, this is around the Kamakura period, which was 1185 to 1333. Um, and it says, to appreciate and find pleasure in curiously curved potted trees is to love deformity, which I thought was interesting. And the article I read said it, you know, we don't know whether this is positive or negative. Right, yeah. I think it means positive. Maybe the writer was passive aggressive. Maybe. I thought it was a pretty interesting quote, though. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Because, I mean, it again, you're training trees to, to be little freaks of nature, basically. Yeah, and um, like a lot of other uh, works of art at the time... Um, it starts out with like uh, monks and Buddhists, mm-hmm. and then eventually it becomes like part of the the rich elite, and then eventually works its way to the to the common folk. Right. So by the, I think the thirteenth, fifteenth, sixteenth century, it was it <laughs> somewhere was in the somewhere yeah. Period. Uh, it was it had become like a, a pretty well established hobby in Japan. Um, I don't. I, I got the impression that it wasn't necessarily thought of as an art form until the West saw it for the first time. So in the 17th century, Japan was getting really tired of Westerners trying to convert them to Christianity and um, basically exploiting them in unfair trade practices. Yeah. So they said, you know what, Westerners, get out. We are isolating ourselves. We're closing ourselves off to trade with the West, except for a few Dutch and Spaniards uh, and then the Chinese. Yeah. Everybody else, go away. Mm-hmm. And they stayed like that for a couple hundred years. And um, I believe it was Millard Fillmore who sent Matthew Perry, Chandler Bing, mm-hmm. over there with a squadron of uh, Navy freighters and huge cannons and guns saying, you're going to trade with us. He said, could you guys be any cooler? <laughs> you have all kinds of cool stuff. <laughs> That's my Chandler. So Japan opened up basically at the barrel of America's guns. Yeah, we should do a show on that. We've talked about it enough. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting, the yeah. isolationist period. Yeah. Like, what was what went on there then? Uh, a lot Just of all things Japan. A lot of bonsai, a yeah. lot of goldfish tending. Nice. Remember Mr. Burns's famous quote? Those sandal wearing goldfish tenders? <laughs> I don't remember that. That's yeah. good though. Uh, but as far as coming to the West, there were a couple of big fairs, uh, where it kind of exploded. The Paris World Exhibition of 1878 mm-hmm. and the London Exhibition of 1909, <laughs> where, uh, you know, of course, people in the West just probably flipped for it. Yeah. Because it's so cool. Yeah. It is. Like, Oh, man, researching this, I I, I just, every time I would come across a, a new term yeah. or like a style or something, I'd go look it up. Oh, yeah. And I'd end up spending a half an hour just looking at bonsai pictures. Yeah, me too. You know, it's really engrossing. Yeah, I was going to be like, all right, I'm doing this. I definitely am. But I'm going to wait. It's for what? Old age. So like three or four years from now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think I'm going to get into it. Yeah, I think it's just for me, I've got too much going on right now to do, mm-hmm. but it, it's going to be a great retirement pastime for me. Yeah. I, I could just, I could see myself really like spending days and days. I can see it too. Caring for these little guys. Cause I, I like, oh yeah. And I like, uh, 
like tiny things and min- miniatures. Oh, you're going to love bonsai. Yeah, like the little uh, tiny Tabasco bottles that you get in room service and stuff like that. Plus your- I go uh, crazy for it. Your dollhouses that you've built? <laughs> My dollhouses, yeah. <laughs> I just, I don't know. I Have think you ever read The Dollhouse? The Heinrich Gibson play? Yeah, sure. It's great. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, well, I guess we should talk about some of those styles then, huh? Well, you want to take a break first? Yeah, let's do that. Okay. Okay, Josh, you mentioned styles, and I did the same thing you did, buddy. I went and looked at pictures, yeah, and I put little marks next to my favorite ones, mm-hmm. like earmarked what I'm going to try and emulate in the future. I'm very curious what if, if we're going to do yeah, the same too. ones. Okay. All right, you, you start. So upright, chokan. Mm-hmm. Eh. Eh. It's the most formal, <laughs> traditional style where it is basically, it emulates a, a strong, healthy Upright growing tree. Yeah, I love that we take this like ancient, uh, amazing art form in the most formal style. We go, meh. Right. <laughs> yeah. But I agree. Didn't delight me. Uh, and again, what you're doing is emulating nature, but you're doing it in miniature. And part of bonsai um, is using like tricks of the eye, uh-huh. forced perspective, that sure. kind of stuff. And um, the upright, the chokan style, um, does that by tapering the trunk yes. so it's much wider at the bottom than it is at the, t- at the top to kind of give you the idea that you're looking up toward a very tall tree yeah and we'll sprinkle in bits of the the uh sort of philosophical art behind it but the idea is that you you sort of imagine a scene in your head and then you try and make it look like that maybe it's something from your past maybe it's a great tree you saw one time on a vacation right but just something that makes you feel good right um, you're usually not like, you know, let me just make some crazy weird looking thing. Right. Because, you know, I'm drunk. Or I'm, I'm going to make the, uh, I'm going to make that tree that was next to the place where my friend got hit and killed on his bike. No. It's all about harmony. Yes. That would be the opposite of bonsai. Yes. That's right. Uh, so moving on to another style, which I did not put a check mark next to, but it's okay. Uh, Mayogi. I like this one. It's okay. It's a little like the, the Chokan. Um, it's the informal upright. Okay. So a little more style maybe. Yeah. So the Chokan is very formal, very yeah. straight. Um, the, uh, Moyogi is, it's overall the shape is upright. Yeah. But it can like bend and twist to get to that point. You see what I'm saying? Sure. It's neat. Yeah. I think it's neat. I wouldn't mind doing a Moyogi at some point in the future, but it definitely won't be the first one I try. All right. It's, it's, down the list a bit. Yeah, it is. Uh, the slanting, uh, shakan or... Shakakan. <laughs> or fukinagashi. Fukinagashi? Yeah, nice. Is that good? Yes. Um, these are pretty cool, I have to say. That has the leaning trunk at a 45-degree angle. Yeah. And the the branches follow the angle of the trunk. Yeah, they're they're parallel to it, right? Yes. Basically parallel, essentially. Right. So, so those, they're neat looking. Yeah, and that trunk is slanted uh, in... In uh, reference to the the pot, right? The lip, the lip of the pot, right? Yeah. Um, that forty five degrees, right? Yes. And we should say uh, we haven't said it. So we're talking mostly about the trees, and that's what gets the most attention. Yeah. But um, classically, 
And at its heart, bonsai is a, it's a balance, it's a harmony between the plant and the pot. Yeah. Like when you're talking about bonsai, the pot is included in that. It's yeah, very it's a, it's important a part of, part the, of it. The, the sculpture itself almost. Right. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, and also with that uh, slanting style, um, supposedly, even though I saw many examples to the contrary, the first branch is supposed to go opposite of the angle of the trunk for to provide balance. Right, I think that's in the shotgun style. Oh, really? It the, goes the, the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. All right. All right, Chuck, next, Cascade. Pretty neat, and you just lit up like a Christmas tree. <laughs> yeah. Is this yours? So the semi-Cascade, the Hanken guy, is is mine. That's the one I'm going to try first. All right, well, go ahead and describe it then. So basically, and you need a deeper pot. So most pots for um, uh, bonsai are shallow. Yeah. Um, this you need like a, a pretty deep pot for because the, the plant is basically mostly overhanging. Yeah. It's outside and hanging down from the pot. Yeah, that's a full on cascade. And these are meant to really emulate like a tree that's just barely hanging on and like a rocky outcrop on a mountain. Interesting. And so the cascade is full on like the, basically the whole plant is be- below the lip of the pot. Yes. The semi-cascade is where the Han King guy, right? Yeah, where the um, there's a substantial amount of the plant is still in the pot, but it's growing over and down the side some. That's right. Or really off to the side. Windswept is uh, semi-cascade. I think is another term for it. Yeah. Now I'm trying to apply psychology to why that's your favorite. It's just, I, just the look of it. Just mm-hmm. aesthetically speaking, I think it's it's great. Uh, next up, we have the literati. Or the Bonjin or Bonjini. Bonjingi? <laughs> I don't know. Bonjingai. Yeah, I think that's way better, probably. Or Gi. Bonjingi. One of those. So You'd this think is... I would ask my wife. Sure. <laughs> you know? We should just have Yumi in here with like a ruler smacking her <laughs> knuckles. <laughs> nope. Um, <laughs> this is the one that's really, uh, focuses on perspective. So the idea here, here is that you're, you're looking, uh, from below to a tree that is above, like if you're at the base of a mountain looking up. Mm, okay, so yeah. So then you tailor the tree to make it look as if, uh, and we should also mention that uh, you should look at eye level is traditionally where you're, uh, when you talk about perspective, you know, if you're standing four feet above it, right. that's different. You should look at bonsai eye level. Yeah, that's why they're so frequently displayed at eye level. That's right. Yeah. And there's also, is probably worth mentioning here that there's a definite front and a definite back yeah. to a bonsai. Mm-hmm. And we'll get into that. Uh, this one is one of my favorites. Broom? Yes, we are at the broom. So is this the one that you marked? The Hokidachi, yes. Okay. Um, and you might look it up, people, and say, huh, interesting. Not uh, the most flashy tree, <laughs> right? but there's something about it, man. It has this like really full kind of half dome with a just a single trunk mm-hmm. jutting up. Yeah. It's just beautiful to me. It, it's like it takes the shape of like an idealized like maple or oak tree. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it reminded me of a like a grand oak. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I wouldn't call you flashy. You've never been known <laughs> to wear like ID bracelets or pinky rings or... I don't know what either one of those things are. You know what a pinky ring is. Nope. Yes, you do. I don't know what you're talking about. A pinky ring. A man's pinky ring. Uh, I know what a man is. Okay, well, I'll show you later. <laughs> uh, so, uh, next up is my absolute favorite, by far. Okay. The landscape. 
it's when you create your little miniature scene. It's like a shadow box. Yeah. Which I used to love doing those when I was a kid. My, my oldest sister was into this, um, years and years ago. Yeah. She would make more like English gardens kind of in miniature. I love that. With like, you know, with like those gazing balls. Mm-hmm. She would make like, well, a tiny one of those. It's oh, like yeah. the focal point of the place. And it was neat. Yeah. So this is when you have your little nature scene. You got moss, you got little rocks, you may even have a water feature. And it's just, uh, I just ever, I don't know, man, ever since I was a kid, I love little things like that. So is that the first one you're going to try? Well, I I think I would probably have to work up to that. Okay. Um, You're not going to just do water features right out of the gate? (laughs) No, but I might. I built my own fountain once. It's not that hard. Okay. You just need a pump. Nice. Um, And this actually, China is still into into bonsai, but this is the stuff that they practice called penjing. Oh, really? Yeah, very landscape-oriented. Yeah, I might even put a little, uh, like a camping scene, a little fire ring. Oh, that'd be great. With some little, little guys with their acoustic guitars. Right, and then Jason <laughs> Voorhees is standing off to the side just watching them. Maybe. Um, root over or root on rock. This is the one I thought was going to be your favorite. Yeah? Mm-hmm. So what's the deal here? Um, you, you could definitely combine this one with something like Cascade or Windswept. Yeah. Uh, it's where you train the roots of the, um, the tree to grow around or on top of a rock. It's pretty neat. So it looks like it is really clinging to a mountainside. Yeah, and, and what they're trying to do in a lot of these cases is give the appearance of like an old tree. You're right. Uh, something that's been around for many years. Yep. Um, when in fact it may be a tree that's like a year old, but it looks like some ancient oak or something. Yeah, and we'll talk about some of the techniques for doing that later, but that is largely the, it seems like the initial point. Yeah. If you're, you're trying to make it look like an old tree or you're creating a tree that you intend to live for a few hundred years and get old. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And the oldest one they have in DC, like 400 years old. That's not even close. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that one's cool. You want to talk about that? Sure. So there's a white pine at the National Banzai and Penjing Museum in DC and it's almost 400 years old, but also notably it survived a pretty big, um, event. The bombing of Hiroshima. Yeah. So, and then it was given as a gift from Japan to um, the U.S. Why? I don't know. I guess they were like, here, don't ever do that again. Yeah. Just take this thing to remind you, think twice. Right. So there are many, many older ones than that, though, is what you're saying. Yeah, there's one in uh, a, a museum in Spain. It's a ficus. It's like a 1,000 years old. Wow. There's another one that's like a 1,000. There's a couple that are 800 years old. And the idea is that many times these are passed within <sighs> your family, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, very frequently they'll be handed down as heirlooms, right? That's awesome. Um, now, some of the disparity between ages where they're like, that one doesn't really count. It it may have been like a thousand year old ficus that somebody found out in the wild and collected and has been bonsaiing for oh, twenty years. Right, right. So this one, I have the impression, um, has been bonsaied and in the same family for like six or seven generations. So it's been like tended to. Yeah. So it may have been kind of old when it was when it was collected. Uh huh. Um, but it's been bonsaied for hundreds of years. Amazing. Uh, all right. To finish up the last uh, category. Uh, which I think is pretty cool, uh, multi-form or ikada or sokan or kabudachi. And that is when you have the illusion that you have uh, more than one tree, but it's really just one tree. Yeah, that's neat. It's pretty cool. So it looks like, you know, it's generally jutting out from the bottom, obviously, of the root structure up, and it looks like a couple of trees. Yeah. 
but it's a single tree. Some people cheat and put sev- several trees in there, but... Well, you can do that, right? A little, uh, your own little forest? I guess so, but isn't that then really the landscape? The psychi? Maybe. I think, you know, what are the bonsai police going to come knocking on your door? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You don't want to mess with those guys. No, you don't. They'll ignore you. (laughs) All right. Let's talk a little bit about what kind of plants you can use because I did not know this. I thought there was a special kind of tree that everybody used to make a bonsai. Yeah. But in fact, it's, it could be a tree that out in the wild is, 30 feet tall. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. I thought they were little miniature trees that just grew up to be like a foot tall. Yeah, no, a lot. Apparently, that's like a common misconception. I saw that during research a couple of times. Yeah. Um, the whole key is you are dwarfing a, a tree. Uh huh. And you're doing that by um, keeping it in a small container and keeping its roots trimmed back. Yeah. So that it comes to basically go against its natural processes mm-hmm. and just stays small and miniature. Um, but yeah, basically any plant can be bonsai. Crazy. It is. And, um, what I didn't realize is that most bonsai is meant to be outdoors. I didn't either. I thought it was strictly indoor. Yeah. And there are indoor varieties. Like you can take indoor plants or plants that do well indoors and make them bonsai. And that's becoming more of a thing. But for the most part, if you're doing especially something with like a pine or a deciduous tree or a juniper, those are outdoor plants, and your your bonsai is meant to stay outdoors, except you know if you bring it in and use it as a centerpiece or something once in a while. Yeah, and the, for those trees, um, it makes a point in here that they have a, a natural yearly cycle that mm-hmm. uh, will be disrupted if you keep it indoors. So right. um, you may have to overwinter it to a certain degree, but you're also going to want to take these out in the winter some. Right. Um, but it also says that, it's not like a grown tree that's covered in mulch and like super deep uh, rooted. Right. So you can't just leave it out all winter. No. And if you do, you would want to leave it in like a cold frame or a greenhouse or yeah. something like that where it's going to survive. Or you could also protect it with a bunch of mulch too. Yeah, sure. If you leave it outside. But yeah, there's, it, it does follow a lot of its natural processes, right? So if you're doing like a, a fruiting tree mm-hmm. or a flowering tree, like as as long as it's healthy and, yeah. and happy, uh, it's going to bear fruit. There's going to be flowers. Um, Pretty cool. Yeah, it's very cool. But you are simulating nature in that it's the roots are being kept shallow and trimmed. Yeah. So you have to take that into consideration by protecting it from cold and for making sure it has a lot of water too. Yeah, we'll we'll get into the specifics of care here in a minute. Um, but as you said you can pretty much use any tree. Ideally, what you want to use is something, some sort of tree or shrub that have uh, small leaves uh, or needles and that can get super dense. Yeah. So you just have sort of more um, more material to work with for your art form. Right. How's that? I think it's wonderful. <laughs> uh, and it all starts with the roots, right? Yeah. So when you're looking for a uh, specimen. You can just go to like your local nursery. Some people grow stuff from seed. Mm-hmm. You can also take cuttings um, and grow them in like rooting hormone or something like Man, that. Man, if you start from seed, that's like that's, that's neat. That's dedication. Sure. And I will also say that if you start with a kit that has a bonsai already sort of shaped for you, yeah, that, that's fine. I'm not going to knock it too much because you might not have time and you might still want to yeah, tinker yeah. with it. That's a good point. But I would recommend like to get your full experience and maybe start with a. a a, a cutting that you kind of grow as your own little baby. Right. Or you can go to like a nursery or something like that and just say, I would like to buy this plant. 
and I'm going to turn it into a bonsai. True. That definitely counts as well. Yeah. So um, a really good one to start with that I found is um, a juniper. Uh-huh. Most junipers, they grow as ground covers, so they stay fairly low to the ground normally. Yeah. So it, they, they do well being miniaturized. They're also pretty hardy plants from what I understand. Right. And um, they grow really well in any temperate climate. Yeah. Relatively temperate climate. So you go to a nursery and you you want to kind of go already with the style in mind that you're going to go with, whether it's broom yeah. or whether it's uh, windswept or semi-cascade or whatever. Sure. Because then you'll you'll be able to kind of narrow down the plant that you want to buy because it's yeah. already going to... You're almost seeing it in there, like, you know how sculptors say that they, like, look at a piece of marble and they're just chipping away right, from right. what was already in there all along? Uh-huh. It's very similar with bonsai as well. Yeah. So you go in, you find the, the plant that kind of suits your needs a little bit, and then, yeah, you dig down and you want to find the first roots that come off of the, off of the trunk. And that's where, that's what's called the crown, right? That's right. And as long as those are pretty healthy looking and intact, it's probably a pretty good bet that you can turn that thing into a bonsai. That's right. And you should remember, too, that um, the more you want to alter the tree, the probably younger and smaller it should be to begin with. Right. Because um, you can only do so much. You know, you can't take a tree that's like stick straight and be like, all right, now I want it to cascade all the way back down. I, I Yeah, you, you might be able to, but it would take decades to get it to grow like that. I would say you'd have to be a bonsai master. Yeah, you would. In order to do that. Again, like Mr. Miyagi. Uh, but these exposed roots, um, it, it's going to give the appearance, if you want to have that age look like it's an ancient tree maybe. Mm-hmm. Ancient trees usually have these great big roots that you see sort of on top of the ground. Right, exactly. So that's a neat thing you can do with your bonsai. Yep. Um, plus also what's great when you dig down to the, those top roots that form the crown where the trunk ends and the root, the real roots begin, there's going to be plenty of feeder roots above that. Yeah. And you're actually going to want to trim those away, but it, it gives the, what was once a, a pr- pretty short plant suddenly has a trunk now and you're like, oh, okay, wow. I see where this is coming from. Uh-huh. It's starting to take shape just right out of the gate. Yeah. And what you're doing, what, I mean, we'll talk about pruning in a bit, but how you're shaping this is with wire either with like aluminum or copper wiring that you can leave on to bend the tree to your will up to like a year. But you want to be careful and not make it too tight because it can actually oh, yeah. cut into the tree, yep. which you don't want at all. And um, so you keep it on your wiring. And the idea is that, again, with harmony, you don't want branches, a mess of branches obscuring one another. You want each branch to have, have sort of its own personality. Exactly. Yeah. So you want to talk about how to how to start a bonsai? Let's. Okay. So you go in, you find <laughs> your you find your uh, plant. And by the way, um, we're we're going to kind of give you a step by step. But I found a really good website called bonsaiforbeginners.com. dot com, uh-huh. um, and they have a really really good, really well written. Even though there's lots of misspelled words, but just it's really <laughs> understandable. It's for um, the le- number four. <laughs> That's like F O R E. Oh, <laughs> no, uh, bonsai for beginners. Wow, yeah, I don't remember if it is the number four. I don't think it is. Okay, just look it up. Sure. And if it's somebody from New Zealand writing, you found the right one. <laughs> um, but they 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 basically have a great step by step of how to do it. All right, so you want to buy a tree. A good time of the year to do this is to go in the spring, uh, when the the growing cycle begins. 
uh, and go to your nursery. And uh, like you said, you, you're looking for whatever tree that fits your mind's eye of what you eventually want. And it says in here to start with your scene and work toward that. Right. I think I would be more inclined to sort of freeform it a little bit, you know, over the years. Okay. Which I'm sure is fine. You're right? going to be the bad boy of the bonsai world, aren't you? Maybe so. You Show never know what to, I'm going to do next. Exhibitions <laughs> wearing like a motorcycle jacket. Possibly. Uh, so the price is going to vary depending on what kind of tree you're getting. Um, and of course I looked up the kits there, you know, they can be 50 to a couple hundred bucks. Right. Depending on the kind of tree and like how finished looking it is. Right. Or, I mean, like it can, you can go spend 10 to 20 on like a, a say like a juniper. Yeah. And then, and there are plenty of bonsai tools that you can buy. The internet will be happy to take your money for that. But you can also make do with other stuff like, Florist wire, you can get the, the copper wire you need from probably a hardware store. Yeah, pliers. Um, there's, yeah, pliers. Uh, scissors. Scissors. Smaller the better. Sure. Um, like those little first grade scissors. Exactly. Round ends. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you're also going to want like a root rake, um, which yeah. you can just bend a fork and bam, you got a root rake. Boom. So you've got your plant, or we're saying it's a juniper. You're going to dig down. You're going to... Um, you're going to basically take it out, put it on the table in front of you. You want a spray bottle of water. You take a shot of sake. Right. Get started. Traditionally. Exactly. Uh-huh. You go, Bwah. and then uh, you you get started. Um, so you take the dirt off of the top layer all the way down to the crown. And again, there's a bunch of feeder roots, which you want to trim from the trunk itself. And then you you take a look at the roots. like You, you scrape the dirt away, and you really look at the root structure, and you say, I got to get rid of a lot of this. Yeah, and you should already have your your pot at this point, by the way. Right. Because uh, this is the 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 first step is the uh, potting. Right. And I've seen people, usually, especially beginners, make the mistake when they're first creating a bonsai that um, they they go real small with the pot. Sure. You're going to go through a couple of pots in the first few years. Um, so. They say don't be afraid to use a big pot. As a matter of fact, you should probably use a bigger pot than you think you should right. for its first pots. Eventually, three or four years down the road, you're going to finally come to that that one pot yeah. that this thing stays in for the rest of its life. Yep. And you're going to repot it every couple of years, but you're going to repot it in the same pot. Yeah, you're going to be at a flea market, and it's going to just there's going to be a golden light shining right. around this one pot. Yep. And uh, you're going to say, that thing's $20. Yeah, and James Brown's going to be like, do you see the light? <laughs> and then you'll talk him down to $14, and then up to 17 and then you'll meet at the middle at 15 Nice. And then you've got your pot. That'll be a great day. <laughs> uh, all right, so you're at the roots, I think. Yeah, so when you trim the roots away, I was really surprised by this. You want to trim about two-thirds of the roots present on your plant when you buy it. Yeah, it even says in here, this seems extreme, but, yeah. but don't fret. No, um, and the roots you really want to go after are the bigger ones, mm-hmm. the more established ones. You want to leave some at the top, at that crown, but um, especially if uh, you're dealing with a tree and it has a tap root, that root that goes like straight down, Yeah, that's actually not as much for watering as it is for stability, and you don't need it in your tiny little shallow pot. So you want to get rid of roots like that. Yep. Uh, you've got your pot. Um, you want to put a little thin layer of gravel for drainage. Um, yeah, and that's another big thing. Your pot has to have drainage holes. Oh yeah, good ones. Yeah, do you well, you're the the lawn watering expert. <laughs> you don't want <laughs> a quarter quarter inch of water over it just standing. 
All right, so you've got your pot, you've got your uh, gravel down there. Um, you've trimmed your roots, and uh, you need your soil mixture. Yeah, this is a big one. It's a big one, and there are different um, schools of thought on what kind of soil. It says in here, um, equal parts uh, sand, peat, and loam. Yeah, that's. I guess that's like a general generic, right? Like go-to bonsai. But soil. you want soil specific to your tree, right? Like if you have a, a juniper, that's going to probably be different soil than what like a olive tree needs. Yeah. And so you just need to find out about the plant that you're bonsaiing and find out what kind of soil it likes, how much water it needs, what kind of nutrients it takes, um, and what kind of sunlight it needs especially. That's right. It's a big one. So you stick that sucker in there. You've got your trimmed roots, and you want to spread them out really evenly, um, you know, toward the edges of the pot. Yeah. Of the container. Right. Um through like just all throughout the container, you want the roots going down. Yeah, and I don't think we mentioned you should uh, run a wire up through the drainage hole to support the tree initially. Yeah, this is a big one. Yeah, um, and this this wire, this is it, it's going to support the tree, but also if you're going to bend the tree, say you're doing a cascade or a semi cascade or anything like that. Yeah, you're or a loop de loop. Exactly. Uh-huh. You're going to use that wire um, to you're going to go train it around the trunk. Yeah. And then bend the wire, and it's going to bend the poor plant with it and you're going to leave it on there for like a month or so at least yeah uh but you want to keep a really close eye on it because the tree will start to grow around it and it will be forever scarred and and as far as bonsai is concerned you've just ruined your plant yep so you want to keep a close eye on it um you want to make it tight but you want to make it tight enough so that when you bend it it's going to bend the tree with it right but not so tight that it bites into or damages the tree. That's right. And, um, yeah, you want to keep a really close eye on it to make sure the tree doesn't grow. And then when it's done, after a month, maybe longer, this article says up to a year, but uh, right. I, I didn't see that anywhere else. Um, you want to clip clip it away. Like uh-huh. you're not going to unwind it or else you're probably just going to break your bonds off. Right. And hopefully your tree won't go boing and pop back into place. <laughs> and if it does, you just have to redo it again. Patience, my friend. Patience. That's right. They say in the article, patience is the best tool that you can have in your arsenal. Right. Um, so you get the wire sticking up through the drainage hole now. That's right. And um, you, for as far as the soil, you want it to be, uh, you want to tap it and kind of, you know, shake the, the pot around to remove the air pockets. Firm it around the base of the tree, but you don't want it so packed in that, you know, the water's got to go through and drain all the way through and out. Right. Well, you want well-draining soil. One thing I saw was three parts potting soil to one part, like, miniature gravel, basically. So the soil's going to drain well. Uh, Apparently, you do want it kind of packed. Because that it, that tree does not have stability with its roots, so it's going to rely on the dirt more than it normally would. Yeah, especially around the trunk. Right. Um, and then, but yeah, you want to shake it to get the air pockets out for sure. That's right. Um, a lot of people also put additional gravel on top to keep the dirt in place when it's watered. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, and it looks nice, too. Agreed. Uh, so you don't want to do that and then go throw it out in the full sun all day long in July. Uh, what you want to do is start it in a shady spot for about a week and let it get used to being shorter rooted and in a weird new container. Right. And let it accept the fact that it, um, I know I'm going to be small. This is going to hurt. <laughs> I'm going to be small. I'm never going to be a big, a big daddy. Yeah. Uh, and once it gets over that and accepts its fate, um, and it says, you know what? I actually like this because I'm going to be a beautiful work of art. And get lots of care and attention. Yep. Now you can move me into the sun a little bit at a time. A couple hours at a time, maybe? Yeah, sir or ma'am, thank you, master. 
And, um, <laughs> sensei? Yeah, sensei. And then, uh, yeah, a couple of hours in the morning. And then before you know it, you can have that, that bad boy out there, like weathering all kinds of weather. Yeah, weathering the weather. Normal weather. Yeah. Like it normally would. Yeah. Um, and your plant's going to tell you whether it's happy or not happy. I think with bonsai in particular, you're going to notice like every little change in your plant. Sure. Cause you're really concentrating on it and focusing on it. Mm-hmm. And all the rest of your plants are going to hate you. Yeah. You're going to be like, uh, remember me? Yeah. Your spider plant's going to be like growing around your throat. Yeah. Just closing off your airway. Yep. So watch out for your spider plant. Agreed. Um, and, uh, I should say one more thing, Chuck, when you first pot your plant, um, you, the first watering, mm-hmm. you should basically take it in like a tray or a pan or a, a bucket of water yeah. and submerge it to the soil level and just Uh-oh. let it sit there. You sure? Yeah. All right. This is what I've seen. <laughs> Don't like plunk it in there. Yeah. Slowly submerge it in there. And that water is going to make sure that every root gets its water mm-hmm. and, um, it's going to fill in any air pockets that are in there. So it's really going to basically solidify your, um, soil okay. and pack it in and just get it ready. Very nice. Pretty neat, right? Super neat. Should we take a break? Yeah. All right. We're, we're going to come back and talk a little bit more about bonsai care and shaping, which is where the money is. So, Chuck, you got your bonsai. Yep. You are, uh, you've moved it back out into the sunlight. It's basically accepted its fate as a smaller version of itself. Yeah. You've named it. Right. Right? No? Yeah. Uh, Alan. Okay. Mine's Roy. <laughs> so, Alan and Roy, the bonsai twins, <laughs> are hanging out outside. Uh-huh. Um, when you first pot it, you can also prepare the limbs, too. Um where you're basically trimming the limbs back, uh, one going. So remember, there's one in the front. There's a front and a back to it, right? Yeah, which you should establish and stick to. All right. Uh, typically, with bonsai in traditional bonsai, the first the first um, limb is about a third of the way up from the dirt, uh-huh. uh, and it's going to jut out to the right. Okay. Second one is going to jut out the opposite direction, but it's not going to be even with the other one. It's going to be another about third of the way up. Okay. You don't, you don't ever, you rarely want, um, limbs even with one another. It's called a bar. That's unsightly. Exactly. Um, so the next one juts out the opposite direction. And then the third one is about another third of the way up and that juts out towards the back. Right. So it gives the impression of distance, of perspective. Yeah. And by balance. having it growing out the back. Yeah. Yeah. Balance and harmony. Um, and you do this by, you can take that same wire, different lighter wire, depending on the size of the limb and bend them in the ways that you want. But more often than not, you're going to be creating these illusions or this, this pattern by trimming your bonsai. And like you said, this is where the money is. This is where, when you think of bonsai, this is what I think of, uh, little Japanese people like trimming the limbs off of tiny plants. Yeah. And it's, um, again, you're, you're. Striving to make it look like something larger that you would find in nature. Mm-hmm. Sure, you could get super weird and avant-garde with your form and your shape. But uh, in general, traditionally, um, you want it to take uh, a form that you would find out in the wild somewhere. Yeah. Just on a smaller scale. But that that is the 
that's the um, effect of wind, of sun, yeah. of weird weather, of poor soil, of just the the weirder looking the tree out in nature. Uh-huh. Basically, the harder the harder the life it's had, and you're trying to recreate that yeah. through nurturing, Pretty which neat. is kind of counterintuitive. Uh-huh. But if you just stop and think about what you're looking at in nature that you're trying to emulate, yeah. you, you'll probably figure out different ways to do it. And if you haven't figured it out, somebody's probably been doing it for a thousand years already, and you can go get yourself a book or look on the internet to right. find a technique. Yeah. So, like you said, with the wind, like the wind, the the real tree in real life that's on the mountaintop, mm-hmm. the wind is trying to kill it. Right. And it's leaning out over the edge of the cliff. Yeah. Like, oh, man, my days are numbered. <laughs> um, but you nurture that in your own bonsai, yeah. and you emulate that, and it's, um, I don't know, I like the idea of it for some reason. It's, neat. it's like a tribute almost. It's a, yeah, it's an homage to that tree that's hanging on by a root. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to light, um, you want to rotate it around. You don't want it getting the same... It's the same side exposure to sunlight mm-hmm. every single day. You want to you want to rotate it around. You want to keep an eye out for bugs and insects. Yeah, for sure. And again, you're paying attention to your bonsai more than your other plants, so you're going to notice like if it suddenly has an insect infestation. Yeah, little larvae. Uh, what are they called spittle bugs, mm-hmm. black or red dots of mites. Uh, it says you can brush these away. Um, I imagine you could smash them with a framing hammer. <laughs> if you wanted, after you brush them off. Right. Um, but it, I bet in the Japanese bonsai tradition, you're you're probably brushing them away with a little paintbrush. Right. Like you go and go hit the spider plant. Hey, spiders are okay, man. <laughs> they eat the little bugs for you. Well, the spider plant, I mean. Oh, the spider plant. I yeah. See. Yeah, yeah. Well, you got to watch out for that thing. It's trying to kill you and your whole family. Exactly. So that's where you need to funnel your spittle bugs. Watering is another uh, big one too. You, depending on how hot it is outside, you may end up needing to water your bonsai like two times a day. Yeah. Which means if you're into bonsai, you probably don't leave your house very much. <laughs> you most likely want to bonsai or water your bonsai every day, depending on again the plant. But most bonsai needs watering every single day. Yeah. And twice on hot days. Yeah. And what you don't want is, um, you know, as you're paying attention to it, you don't want a, a soggy, boggy. Uh, base where no, your soil is. That's a really bad sign. That means you probably didn't put down enough gravel on the bottom yep. or your soil mix doesn't have enough gravel or whatever mixed in to make it drain quickly. That's right. Because it's tough to overwater a well-draining potted plant of any type, including bonsai. True. Uh, you're probably going to be doing more pruning early on in the life of the bonsai. And once it has that general shape that you like, that's when you're doing uh, you know, just the, the subtle changes that probably mean a lot to you um but other friends that come over at you know happy hour they'll just say hey nice tree nice nice bonsai yeah you're out of ice (laughs) and they don't realize that all the little makers broken (laughs) they don't realize all the subtle little you know you might clip away one you know a half of an inch of a branch to you that that makes it just perfect yeah that other people would probably not even notice yeah that's why it's your bonsai. That's right, Josh. That's why I was thinking about it, like like giving the gift of a bonsai to somebody yeah. that you've tended to for years and years and years. That's that's a significant gift. Yeah. It's like, and here's my, my daughter. Yeah. You know? Right. Well, not really, but you know what I mean. M- you can marry this plant. <laughs> you love it so much, why don't you marry it? <laughs> 
Uh, you're also going to keep up with the fertilizer. Again, like this is so, this is almost such a generic overview in some places that yeah, I feel yeah. bad even saying it, but just go find out what the plant that you're raising needs normally. And do that. Do that. Yeah. But again, you have to bear in mind that it, it's slightly different because you're, you're keeping it in miniature. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have its normal root system. It needs more water than usual. And, um, it's probably because you're watering it so much, the, the nutrients in the soil are going to leach out much more quickly. Yeah. So you need to fertilize it more than you would just if you were growing it normally in a container, right? Right. So, since you're fertilizing something more, usually the rule of thumb is you want to wa- you want to fertilize something weekly, weekly. Uh-huh. So W E A K L Y, right? Weekly, sure. Um, and and that way you're constantly replenishing the nutrients in the soil, but you're not going to like burn or scorch the roots with like a chemical burn by overfeeding it. Yeah, and again, you pointed out earlier, but I think it bears in mind repeating the key is repotting and trimming those roots every couple of years. Yeah. And like you said, once you find the pot at the flea market that you fell in love with, you can keep it in that pot forever as long as it's, you know, the one you want to stay with. I mean, you can do what you want. Mm-hmm. But, um, or give it as a gift. Or give it as a gift. But as you, uh, as you keep trimming these roots back, it's going to stay that size. If you forget about it, if you're a hoarder and you, and you, and you're drunk and you pass out <laughs> for 10 years, you're going to wake up with a 12 <laughs> foot oak tree in your living room. Yeah. That's the story of Pappy Van Winkle. <laughs> Is that, yeah, I guess that is true, isn't it? Because, yeah, you're basically, once it becomes established to the shape, it, it, you want it. Mm-hmm. You're just basically pruning it back here or there, keeping it trimmed. And then when you repot it every couple of years, like the whole point is to keep the root system in check, huh? Yeah. So if you didn't sure. do that, yeah, it would just sort well, of Well, it would probably, it would die is what it would do. Cause well, it would, yeah, nobody would water it. There'd be so many roots in a pot that doesn't fit them. It'd probably look cool. It'd be growing over it. Maybe. Mm-hmm. And that's some, that's basic stuff that we've been talking about, but there is a lot of advanced things you can do too. And one of those is like, again, training it to grow over rocks. So like when you potted the bonsai, you would want a bonsai with really long roots, um, so that you could, when you, when you're potting it, you would actually place it on a rock and then wire the roots in place to let them start to establish in the pot. Just things like that. There's something called, um, gin, which is basically, this is really neat. I'll bet you saw it. Did you see a lot of bonsai that had like dead wood exposed? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so gin is where at the top of the trunk or at the ends of limbs, uh-huh. dead wood is exposed to just really play up how old this thing is supposed to be or actually is. Right. Um, there's something called shari, which is dead wood on the trunk below. Cool. And then there's something called uh, sabamiki. And that's like you actually get in there and peel away the the bark drill into the trunk and carve holes into it, carve like a gap into it to create the illusion that it was scarred from like a lightning strike. Wow. And you've got to be really careful doing that because you can very easily kill your bonsai. Yeah. But if you do it right, it'll grow back and scar around it and you'll have a pretty interesting looking tree. So that's not recommended for uh, beginners? I would not think so. Yeah. I think you'd kill a lot of plants doing that that way. So, and, and again, people have been trying this stuff for a couple thousand years now, so yeah. there's a, a lot of different stuff you can do and a lot of different resources out there. Nice. Yeah. Go to your local Japan town and say, teach me. Yeah. And you know what? If uh, the movie... Uh, Karate Kid? Lost in Translation is true, then if you're a pretty American girl, you can wander into any 
<laughs> Japanese ceremony, and they will just accept you with open arms. Yeah, that's what they're known for. Yeah. Yeah. Probably so, right? Uh, to a certain degree? Sure. Aren't you not a jerk? Well, yeah. Like, what did she walk into? Was, was hers uh, origami, or was that bonsai? I don't, I don't remember. I don't remember. I, was I just, it a wedding? No, Scarlett Johansson walked was in. Was it outdoors? There were the, these Japanese women doing some, it was either bonsai or origami or something, and they were like, oh, well, you know, come on in, and let me show you our ancient ways. Yeah, I don't remember that part. Yeah. Yeah. That was neat. That great, is neat. Great movie. I like that movie a lot, too. What, wasn't, isn't the legend around it that Bill Murray's actually playing himself? Like it's based on an experience Sofia Coppola had? Yeah, I bet it's not too far off. And so like, uh, Giovanni Ribisi is, um, Spike Jones. Oh, yeah, yeah. Scarlett that's true. Johansson is, um, Sofia Coppola. Yep. Um, uh, Anna Ferris is Cameron Diaz. Yep, I heard that. That one dude is Justin Timberlake. Uh-huh. And so, like, this actually supposedly happened. Yeah. But then it's, everyone says, well, who's Bill Murray playing? Allegedly, Bill Murray is playing himself. That makes sense. I and, mean, and like. We'll never know what he whispers at the end either. Yeah. Which I love. That was a great movie. I forgot about that one. Make it Santori time. Yeah. She's a part of my 100% club. Sofia Coppola. What is that? The directors who I oh, have yeah. made nothing but great movies. I think I've only seen that and The Virgin Suicides. Great movie. What else has she made? Uh, she did um, The Bling Ring uh, recently. Never saw it. Really good. Don't, really? Don't uh, be turned off by the title. Yeah, because I have been. <laughs> um, and she did the one with Stephen Dorff. Oh, I can't remember where he's the, the actor to sort of hold up in the Chateau Marmont. Before daylight. Uh, with his daughter. No. Before sunrise. Nope. Before tomorrow. Nope. And she did the one, the... Uh, let them eat cake. Uh, Marie Antoinette movie with Kirsten Dunst. It was fantastic. I never saw that one either. Yeah, she, they're all great. I think okay. she's right. top notch. I'll check them out. Uh, if you want to know more about Bonsai or Sofia Coppola, you can type those words in the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. And since I said that, it's time for listener mail. Yes. I'm going to call this uh, Tornado Miss. Already? That thing just came out today. I know, man. And you know what? Uh I hope everyone's all right because there are tornadoes like kind of all over the place. Today. Yeah, I heard Oklahoma's mm-hmm. gone. Kansas. Uh, hey guys, love the show. You mentioned tornado miss episode that I bet you would get an email from a civil engineer, and here I am. Just wanted to share an interesting fact about designing wind resistant buildings. I remember the day of the 2008 downtown Atlanta tornado you mentioned because it was actually the last day of classes at Georgia Tech before I went out uh, before I went home to Florida for spring break. Ironically, I just learned in one of my classes that one reason. Most skyscrapers are not the same basic shape from top to bottom. Is to alleviate pressure from wind. Uh, in the same class, the professor had mentioned that one of the absolute worst structural designs for a skyscraper is a perfect cylinder, which is what our Peachtree Plaza is that had the windows out for so long. Yeah. It's a cylinder. Uh, the wind whips all around and ends up hitting the entire face of the building as a giant wall of force rather than hitting the building at different places over time. Not ideal for a glass tube of a building. Uh, anyway, thought you guys would find that interesting. You are the best thing to come out of Athens, in my Georgia Tech opinion. Oh, wow. I see where that was going. Uh, keep up the good work, and that is from Scooter Sheldon. Thanks a lot, Scooter. Scooter Sheldon. I don't know about the best thing to come out of Athens. Uh, Just a couple of bands and beers and coffees and no, football go, players. Go with Scooter's take. All right. Thank you, Scooter. If you want to give us high praise like Scooter did, we're always down with that. You can tweet to us at SYSK Podcast. You can post cool stuff on Facebook.com slash Stuff You Should Know. 
You can find us on Instagram at SYSK Podcast for real. You can send us an email to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. As always, join us at our home on the web, stuffyoushouldknow.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. 